This episode of You in the Ring is brought to you by The Grad House. One of the best kept secrets on campus, The Grad House is for everyone. They offer a range of house-made meals that cater to diverse dietary needs. And with weekly specials, you are sure to find something new every time you visit. Located right off the bus loop, The Grad House is a great place for lunch, dinner, or just hanging out with friends. The Grad House. You don't have to be a grad student to eat here. Hello, Amanda. Hi, Heinz. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Do you know why you're here today? Uh, yes, I have been waiting for this on bated breath. They showed up with um, seven or eight cop cars. So they painted my aluminum gate up at the highway bloody red. This is, this is now tipped over the edge into true paranoia. We did not have those agreements. People <laughs> climbing the fence. They know how... Um, passionate the rabbit people are. Bulletproof vests, guns. Oh my god. You know, this story's already got legs. You're listening to You in the Ring on CFUV 101.9 FM, broadcasting from the Songhees and Husanich territories of the Lekwungen and Sinchothan speaking people, commonly known as Victoria. Um, so All yeah, right. okay, should we do a quick recap then, just to get everyone on the same page? Please do, remind me of everything. All right. Previously on You in the Ring, um, there were a bunch of rabbits at UVic in 2010. Then they were all trapped and relocated by some very, very, very passionate rabbit activists. Um, but the question still remains, where did the rabbits go? Last time we met some of the players who were involved, um, Laura Lee Shaw is one of them. And she's back in this episode. Ooh. We're going to follow her. Ooh. Um, but another one of the main actors or players was Susan Vickery. And if you remember, Susan Vickery was the woman who kind of orchestrated the whole movement. She was hired by UVic to actually um, relocate the rabbits through her program um, called EARS. Oh, I didn't realize it was called that. Earth Animal Rights. <laughs> Uh, they love. They get you. <laughs> as much as they love puns, they also love acronyms. But yeah, Susan Vickery, big deal. And she's actually one of the few, maybe the only activist who managed to get permits for relocating rabbits inside of Canada. Everyone else had to do it outside of Canada. So Susan Vickery ends up sending 600 rabbits to Coombs, which, have you been to Coombs? I've driven through it. Can you uh, describe it? Uh, it's small, um, uh, on the on the fringe of of the highway. Uh, kitschy. Yeah, exactly. It's just like this small, quaint, almost like farm town that like is just very down to earth. There's goats walking around on roofs. Okay, so the rabbits start getting moved to Coombs in September of 2010, um, and just like slowly throughout like. The next few months, just more and more start showing up. And eventually, yeah, there's 600 rabbits and coombs by the end of this. But immediately after they start showing up, tragedy strikes the rabbits. Dun, dun, dun! Um, there's... So the rabbits are in this facility. and What type of facility? It's actually a parrot refuge. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. And there's this thing being built off the side of it. And it's where all the rabbits will be living. So the rabbits and the parrots will not be mingling. They're very separate in terms of their living quarters. And their lifestyle. Yeah. They're being housed in this very shabby uh, enclosure, which Judith Lavoie actually went to visit. It looked very makeshift. It it just didn't look as if it was going to hold rabbits very well at that point. And there were pieces of wire. And the the uh, World Parrot Refuge itself is, is kind of a, a crazy situation because you've got the, the flying cages, which in fact was just huge buildings for the parrots all around. Um, some of the sort of garbage and stuff were sort of out behind, so you get deer and I believe bears and everything coming in there. And then in the middle of this, or rather off to one side, you had the the new rabbit refuge. And, and yes, my first thought was, oh, you know, this, this is crazy. This is never going to work. And sure enough, when they get there, 
there's just rabbit escape after rabbit escape. So many rabbits leave. They just dig underneath the fence and they're gone. And they just start taking over this town. Oh, my God. Which, again, Coombs is a small town. Um, So the rabbits eventually hop their way over to neighboring farm fields. And this one farm field, it's run by this um, woman named Barbara Smith. And Barbara Smith is a retired lawyer. And, yeah, her and her husband just live on this farm just kind of enjoying, you know, the golden days. No, the bunny murderer. The Uvic bunny murderer. That was my title. She's into horses, so she's growing hay for her horses. And then Barb Smith is actually out of town. And on the drive back, my husband said on September 27th, you're not going to believe what's going on in our hayfield. And as he picked me up from the airport, he as we were driving down... Uh, back home, I looked into our field and there was a sea of rabbits. And then next door at Parrot World, there was a sea of rabbits and there was rabbits on the road. And they're just eating her horse's hay. And she's like, this is insane. Like, where did all these rabbits come from? So she comes back and just starts doing all this research. That day, I phoned every ministry. I phoned the regional district. I phoned local government. And um, by the end of the day, I had a pretty good picture of what I could do and uh, what the ministry could do. And eventually, yeah, she finds out there's like hundreds of rabbits are on their way to Coombs because the university didn't want them there. And so she gets fed up. She's like, why? Why Coombs? And there must be some kind of regulation on them. They didn't just send rabbits to Coombs. So she starts digging, doing her lawyer thing. So I was able to piece together after the fact that somehow she had moved the rabbits early September, had built some kind of enclosure that was completely inadequate in an acre area um, at this farm next door to me that, that housed this massive parrot world. She went back to Salt Spring with directions with the workers at Parrot World to... Um, take 10 rabbits a day over to a local vet to get sterilized. What she didn't tell them was what to do with the rabbits once they got back from the uh, vet. And, and my neighbor on the other side, who was watching this all, said they would just take the rabbits back and release them onto their field. And, of course, the fencing in this enclosure was so ridiculous that they were escaping from the fence. She's, like, the perfect person this happened to <laughs> because she's just, like, unrelenting. She's like, I need answers. Tell me who to talk to. She's breaking skulls. It took me two and a half months to get a copy of the permit. And um, when I actually looked at the permit, Susan Vickery had um, basically breached every condition. She didn't have proper enclosures. She didn't have them sterilized before she came up. And she wasn't living near this. So she had delegated to people. And like the perfect mix, too, of being like affected deeply by this, but also having all the resources and like tenacity to deal with it. It, it, it takes a, a certain type of person to, to put up with all that bullshit. And, uh, you know, luckily or unluckily, I had, I had the expertise. She's on the case. And she just finds out that these permits have been broken in like every way possible. Mm. Like no one's following these rules that the Ministry of Environment laid out. So they jimmied this permit that allowed the rabbits to come up and then basically closed their eyes to the fact that not one of the provisions of the permit was being followed and left it up to me to deal with it because they said it's not their problem. So now she's mad at the Ministry of Environment and she's like, well, someone should come take care of these rabbits. I phoned the Ministry of Environment again and said, look, what can you do for me? Oh, well, lady, it's your problem. You're a private owner, not our problem. Well, why are they there? Oh, well, they got moved. So then I started phoning uh, trappers, um, exterminators, and they said, no, I'm sorry, we can't. And the ministries like, gives her someone to call. She calls him, and he is a pest control officer, and he shows up, and he starts shooting the rabbits. That's what a pest control officer would do. Yes, that they were over 95 rabbits in the field, according to the trapper. He could not believe what he was seeing out there. He had no idea of the issue. And it's important to note that it is humane to shoot rabbits if it's 100 meters away from any property. 
mm. or any any home. And because it's like a big farm field, he can just shoot the rabbits in the field, and it's like totally fine. I don't see Uvic bunnies any different than an invasion of rats. To me, it was all the same. He starts shooting rabbits, and then the gunshots ring out through like the farm field. And then the people next door heard him, jumped the fence, and chased him out of the field. And they're just sprinting through the farm field. They hop the fence and actually chase the guy back into Barbara Smith's house. They chased the guy with a gun. Yeah. And there were kids, too, so the trapper was dying. Rabbit activists that were housing the rabbits, that were terrible at housing the rabbits, were chasing the guy, killing the rabbits. Okay, wow. This all happens in, one, like, in the afternoon? Yeah, it's just an afternoon of coons. So that happens, and then... So he, he, he came in and said, I can't do anything. Barbara Smith's like, well, thank you for doing your job. He ends up shooting 30, like around 30, uh, maybe 25. And all this time, the Ministry of Environment biologist was here going, oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> so, you know, this whole vision of me out there with my rifle, absolutely not. I'm not going to shoot rabbits. I hired somebody to do it. So this event happens, and then word spreads throughout the rabbit activist community. And how do you think they're going to react when they hear that a man has just shot 30 of their... Pissed. <laughs> they're very pissed. Here's Judith, the reporter again. I, I, I thought somebody was joking when the calls first started coming in on that. I thought, oh, good God, it, this can't be. I mean, from a reporter's point of view, <laughs> not looking at it from the rabbit's point of view or Susan's point of view, but from a reporter's point of view, you go... Oh, my God. You know, this story's already got legs. It's already of great interest to people. And now you've got an incident like this. And they actually, rabbit activists, they contact the Ministry of Environment and the BC SPCA um, up to investigate the rabbit deaths. But there's, like, nothing they can do. Like, it happened. It was all legal. So that goes nowhere. Um, and then... The RCMP also gets involved for whatever reason. But again, nothing happens. Everything's fine. And then... Do you know that I got reported to the Law Society? They start targeting Barbara Smith's, like, law career. I killed rabbits in a violent and unreasonable fashion, and because of that, conduct brought into disrepute the Law Society. And they have to start launching an investigation on a retired lawyer. Once a lawyer, always a lawyer. I didn't know that. I thought that once I retired, I was just normal. And this is so funny because she's already retired. What are they going to do, like, revoke her <laughs> license to, like, practice law that she's no longer practicing? All I could do is say to the girl, well, what's my punishment? You're going to make me go back into law? She laughed. She said, look, they're treating it very seriously because they know how... Um, passionate the rabbit people are oh my god so this is just like the rabbit activists are so desperate that they're just clinging at trying to get whatever they can they just want to kind of rub barbara smith's face and name through the dirt yeah it's a good thing i have broad shoulders and they create social media pages mm. there's this horrible facebook page that's still active called barb smith has murdered rabbits and should be brought to justice oh my god and you can go on it and check it out. And there are some horrible things on there. You know, I, I ended up having an article in McLean's magazine. So, yeah, that happens. And the Law Society is just like, well, like, there's nothing we can do. So they did their due diligence and studied it all and determined that what I had done was uh, within my rights. But, you know, they warned me. They, uh, they said, do not minimize the power of of the rabbit people. They will continue on. And then a month later, there's another attack. There's rumblings that someone broke in to the rabbit sanctuary in Coombs and released their dogs on the animals. Oh, God. And it is said that at least one rabbit did not survive the attack. That's a really inefficient dog, then. But there's, no e but there's no evidence that this actually happened. This is all just, like, rumblings, and they're all just blaming Barbara Smith again. They're just, Barbara Smith is a monster. Of course she would do this. But there's no proof that this happened. Barbara Smith actually told me in an interview that... My dog Otis was allowed to kill a pet rabbit on the rabbit sanctuary property. So not, not only 
was I cited for conduct on becoming a retired lawyer. My dog, Otis, was cited for conduct on becoming to a retired lawyer's dog. Her dog did kill one of them, but it wasn't because she sicked it on. It's because the rabbit came onto her property and her dogs protect her property. This kind of goes on for a while where Barbara Smith just keeps taking heat and more heat from these rabbit activists, but it's actually her husband who's dealing with it. And her husband is picking up the phone being like, yes, this is Barbara Smith's residence. No, I don't care what you have to say about the rabbits. Goodbye. You know that he got a phone call from somebody in Australia telling us what a terrible person I was killing rabbits. And so just break after break, the rabbit sanctuary is just in shambles. Barbara Smith's property also got vandalized. So they painted my aluminum gate up at the... um, up at the highway, b- bloody red. Oh, and then they left me a bale of hay with a little note saying, this is from the rabbits. Here's the note. We are sorry we ate your hay. We did not know it was so important to you. We hope this will replace it. We paid for it with our lives. The murdered bunnies. Oh my gosh. That's... But tell me, did you snigger a bit over that? And yeah. The name Barbara Smith just kind of faded from the activist spotlight. It all died down. Within six months, it was not news. Meanwhile, things for Susan Vickery were only just beginning. She was working on fixing up the sanctuary. And actually, the rabbit sanctuary becomes a pretty, like, fortified place. There's, like, plating in the ground so the rabbits can't dig under, um, and they don't get out as much. And so it passes all these inspections by the Ministry of Environment, and she gets to keep her permits. So more and more rabbits come. Of course. And so by December of 2010, that was all, that all happened in September. <laughs> Months later, there's now 500 rabbits in Coombs. And the community is so fed up with it. There's like articles saying like the Coombs Farmer Institutes and like Aerosmith Agricultural Association have both written letters to the Ministry of Environment complaining about there's just too many rabbits here and none of the agreed upon rules for the permits are being followed. Here's Judith. The trouble is people like Susan sort of don't have a good idea of how to market themselves and their project. You know, that wasn't her priority. I and mean, her priority was absolutely saving the rabbits and absolutely trying to give them adequate, you know, housing and food and um I I don't think she realized how controversial the whole thing was by that time. She just seemed like she cared so much about these rabbits. And I think that's the tragic flaw for everyone in the story is that they care so much about these rabbits that they're kind of blind to everyone else's concerns. Mm -hmm. Um, But they just keep escaping because rabbits do. They keep coming from Uvic? Yeah. They keep getting moved in like more and more batches. Yeah. Moving on. There's more that happens. Oh, boy. Uh, A year later, July 2011, there's a break-in at the Coombs facility. (sighs) 20 rabbits are stomped to death. Stomped? What what kind of footwear are people wearing that you can stomp rabbits? What? I know. Ugh. Um, And then in the morning, Susan Vickery comes out, and she just sees these rabbits... She's like, holy crap, what happened? And she's so terrified that this has happened that she doesn't tell anyone (laughs) because she's worried about the rabbits. She's worried about her facility and she's worried about the permits to keep the rabbits there. In her mind, it's like, if I come out that there's been a break-in and that 20 rabbits have died... It's going to make me the bad guy because I'm not taking care of them. It's going to make rabbits the target because people will know that the rabbits are vulnerable because someone did it once, they'll do it again. And it'll put the permits at jeopardy. So, like, they might not be able to house rabbits there anymore, wow. in which case all rabbits lose. Wow. In- interesting. I don't, know. I don't know if I would have thought the same way. Exactly. And... Actually, everyone is very pissed that she made this call because the RCMP show up a month later and they're like, there's nothing we can do because everything is gone. 
Everything's gone? Well, like all the evidence, you know, yeah. like a month has gone by, like right. the footprints, like witnesses, like are having a hard time talking about stuff that happened a month ago. Um, but case has gone cold. It's a cold rabbit case. <laughs> and, but during the whole month, Susan Vickery is just like, again, like turning her rabbit sanctuary into the Fort Knox of rabbit sanctuaries. She's installing security cameras. There's now like barbed wire probably. She's actually hired someone to like l- live near the rabbit sanctuary to keep an eye on it at all times, which is kind of like a security guard. Can we just come back to the fact that these rabbits were stomped to death? That that's just the... Who would come in and do that? That's It's like trying to recreate a mole smashing thing from the arcade or something. Like just... I don't understand that part of it. <laughs> it's so weird. But you also have to understand that everyone in Coombs was so fed up with these rabbits. Yeah. And... It is a small town. Maybe someone got drunk, got angry, and just decided to see what happens. There's no leads. Wow. Cold case. If you have tips about the stomping of rabbits from July 8th, 2011, please contact CFUV. We'd love to talk to you. Hope to hear from you soon. Yeah, so there's like a month later, RCMP concludes its investigation. No arrests. Big shocker. And now you see this slow shift where people were once mad at Barbara Smith. Barbara Smith was public enemy number one for rabbit activists. Now everyone's starting to be like, well, what's Susan Vickery doing to protect it? She's failed us time and time again. She's supposed to be saving these rabbits. Instead, there's so much rabbit blood on her hands. Judith Lavoie again. I I think... Susan Vickery had probably underestimated the the publicity it would get. I think she'd underestimated the well the, the emotions that this whole thing managed to provoke on both sides. And so it's this strange shift where, like, Barbara Smith and Susan Vickery's trajectories, their story arcs, are so paralleled. They both become hated by the rabbit community. And then just over the next year or so, like the next many years, there's this paranoia that starts building around the Coombs Sanctuary where it's like, there's supposed to be 500 rabbits here, but I only, I only counted 40 today. Where are the other ones? Is she lying about that? Is she hiding rabbits? Is she covering up rabbit deaths? Were they all poisoned? Oh my God. There's just this huge conspiracy about Susan Vickery trying to cover up how irresponsible she has been for these rabbits' lives. And it's it goes on for many, many months. Oh, my God. Many, many years. It's crazy. Again, there was, uh, you know, nothing seemed to be terribly organized. But on the other hand, Susan was trying very hard. And she, and she really, and, you know, she was working her buns off trying to make it work. I know that much. I mean, she really didn't have much help. And really the... The people that were supposed to be vaguely overseeing it were, were not being helpful at all. Susan Vickery, to be fair, she was not equipped mm. to handle like this amount of publicity. She was... Or rabbits. E- yeah, or rabbits. Who's equipped to, to deal with this many rabbits? Like, that's just not a thing that you can expect from anybody. No. Okay, so everyone starts hating on Susan Vickery. Um... And they're just convinced that she's part of this massive cover-up about the Coons rabbits. Um, and then at the same time, all these rabbits, more Uvic rabbits have been, like a handful, have been relocated to Washington State. Okay. And the rabbits there are living a beautiful life. They have a nice happy hill. They're surrounded by, like, forest and mountains. They're Some just, predators. They're just hopping around being happy rabbits. <laughs> And these comparisons start being drawn. Well, like, everyone's like, well, the rabbits in Washington are so happy. Why Why isn't Susan Vickery's rabbits happy? Wait, in Washington, are they at a, at a sanctuary place as Another well? Another sanctuary, yeah. Oh. But only 75 went there. Okay. So it's not really fair to compare the two because it's just they're different environments. And it's also pretty different quantities. But... There was a lot of pressure because I'm pretty sure this is the most public 
rabbit relocation in the history of rabbit relocations. At least on at least in British Columbia. To my knowledge, I would agree with you. Maybe the world. <laughs> Apparently, that... if Australia has something to say about it. But this kind of paranoia just keeps prompting the rabbit activists to just ask anyone to go investigate. They're reaching out to news organizations being like, can you please go investigate the facility? Everything is not as it seems. And I need you to tell me the answers. And so, like, small town newspapers are going and they're reporting, like, everything is fine here. And, and then the rabbit groups are like, why are the newspapers covering this up now? Fake news! Alternate facts! It's just... Trust cr- no one! It's just so crazy. Um, and yeah. And then, this goes on for many years. Most of 2013 is spent questioning what happened to Susan Vickery's rabbits. And there's, like, all these, like, different theories that a lot of them are, like, poisoned by bad food. And Susan Vickery tried to cover it up. And then another fact that Susan Vickery tried to bring in pregnant rabbits... So that they would have their litters there to, like, bolster the numbers because she had lost so many before. But, yeah, like, death is a part of a rabbit's life just as it is part of everything's life. Yeah. So it's really funny how these rabbit activists are so consumed by the fact that rabbits have died. Yeah. And just, like, wanting to maintain this identity of this rabbit place to be forever proliferating more rabbits. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the Coombe Sanctuary is like an X-File to <laughs> the rabbit activists. Yeah, wow. Um, okay, so that's what happens in 2013. But then there's another incident at the Coombe's facility. Of course. Two rabbits go missing. Just two? Just two. They have that deep <laughs> records of it that they know exactly when these two? Oh, yeah, Betty and Susan there left. We know exactly which one's <laughs> Yeah, they do roll call, and they're like, Betty? <laughs> Betty doesn't answer, and they're like, Su- where's, where's Susan and Betty? And then <laughs> Susan Vickery's like, how did they escape? I've been fortifying the sanctuary for the last three years. How did they get out? And then a volunteer shows her how easy it is for a rabbit to actually get out. You move the food bucket, and there's a giant hole in the fence that anyone can just grab a rabbit from. Oh. And so... On the, on the side of the highway, grab a rabbit on your way through Coombs. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, you just remove the pellet or pea tray, and then there's a hole that someone can just grab a rabbit. And then this revelation just, like, spur- like sparks this thought, being, like, in Susan Vickery, where she's like, that explains why so many rabbits have gone missing over all these years. She just realized now. Of course. Because these two rabbits, Susan and Betty, are now missing. And then we talk about paranoia. Now we're going to hear about the paranoia that is Susan Vickery. Oh. Judith. She was really trying to do her best. Uh, but when she started talking about this, and you start thinking, uh-oh, you know, this is this is now tipped over the edge into true paranoia. You know? and, but <laughs> that's, that's rabbits. So these rabbits go missing. And Susan Vickery is like, it must be an inside job. Of course it is. I've been betrayed by my volunteers. I can trust no one. I only have myself and these rabbits. It's like the mob. Yes. Or an X-File. Or an X-File, yeah. So there's also this amazing quote. You know, months of rabbit thefts are now summed up in the fact that you can just remove a tray and take a rabbit. And then she says this to the paper. It didn't dawn on me that it was the good-looking rabbits that were going missing. What? I thought these people were like, oh my god, care for everything, care for every living being. And now they're like, oh yeah, there's definitely some real ugly butts in there that were... (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, all the good-looking rabbits have been taken. (laughs) Suddenly, like, everything's clicking, you know? Mm. It's like, I just imagine Susan Vickery in her house staring at a wall... And there's, like, photos of, like, handsome rabbits and, like, pretty rabbits. And there's, like, a big question mark in the middle being, like, why these rabbits? And there's, like, red yarn attached to all of them. And then she goes, like, I got it. (laughs) (laughs) So, anyways, Susan Vickery is very quick to act. She realizes that it's probably two girls who live in a trailer park nearby. Oh. 
because why not? Do they have a black market rabbit business or? Uh, no, but she's just very suspicious because um, there's been a lot of missing equipment and rabbits that have um, vanished ever since these two girls started volunteering with her. Can we just also take a moment to realize that people are stealing these rabbits that everybody has been trying to get rid of? <laughs> yeah, it makes yeah, it makes no sense. This is the this is the story. Um, Susan Vickery does not confront the girls right away. Instead, she finds their dad in a local bar, and she's like, "What do you know about my rabbits?" And the dad's like, "Oh yeah, we have a trailer full of rabbits." What? So Susan Vickery goes to the trailer park, knocks on the trailer door, and the girl's mom comes out, and she's like, "Get lost, Susan Vickery." So Susan Vickery calls the cops, who are basically like, do we have to do this? <laughs> Just everyone is so over these rabbits. A trailer full of rabbits. Oh, my so God. So that evening, you know, the cops show up, um, and they call Vickery back to the scene. Um, and, yeah, they open the door, and Susan Vickery describes the trailer as a grow up. Oh my god. Because there's tin foil covering all the windows. But also in the trailer are just cages full of rabbits that were, and, and like. All the good looking ones, too. Yeah, just cages full of good looking rabbits. Beautiful rabbits. They're so pretty. It brings a tear to my eye. Um, but Susan Vickery is like doing a head count, I guess. And she's like, the babies are missing still. So there's still missing rabbits. They find some of the rabbits, but not all of it. So Susan Vickery told the author of the newspaper story, whose name escapes me now, um, but she tells them that the girls had fled with the baby rabbits because they knew that Susan Vickery was on the case. Oh my god. So they left town. They left town. With the babies, the baby rabbits. Oh my god. And then the police find the girls on the side of a highway with baby rabbits with them. The evidence. This is this is the thing that happened. This is the police. Oh, my God. The police officers go home that day. And they're like, you would not believe what we had to deal with today. Yeah. So they call Susan Vickery being like, are these your rabbits? And she's like, they sure are. And she grabs the rabbits and the gear. Um... Oh, and by the way, just like on a side note, real quick, the girls explain that the reason they kept rabbits in locked cages in a locked trailer was because their brother likes to hurt animals. No. What? I know. Another twist. Doodaloo doodaloo. Holy crap. Yeah. Pretty bonkers, right? So that's the case with the two missing rabbits. <laughs> and... Susan Vickery just gets more and more paranoid. Understandably so. You know, her volunteers have betrayed her. Um, the rabbit activist community has turned on her. People are breaking into her house, by the way. Yeah. They're stealing her stuff. They're vandalizing her property. And then she goes rogue. She starts trying to hunt for her missing rabbits on her own because now the police aren't helping her. And she can't trust her volunteers. So she just, for like... 2013, 2014, she's just putting up rabbit posters around town, missing rabbits. And she's offering cash rewards up to $1,000 for finding her rabbits. Oh, my God. Wait, but there's – because there's more rabbits missing that weren't in the trailer or with the girls? Yeah, this is like – there were months of, like, rabbits missing. But, yeah, they just keep hopping away. Keep hopping away. Or someone takes them, as she believes. Yeah. But – yeah, so Susan Vickery's having a really hard time in Coombs. Yeah, Coombs is having a hard time too, I'm sure. Everyone is losing. This is a, a classic lose, lose, lose. <laughs> Rabbits are losing, Susan's losing, Coombs is losing. Oh the rabbit God. activist community is also losing. Um, and so eventually what she does is it's, it comes time for her to renew her permits to keep them in Coombs, and she chooses not to. Whoa. She sends them away. Where? To Alberta. What's in Alberta? 
another rabbit sanctuary she owns. She owns? Yeah. Oh, so she thinks it's just the, it's Coombs is the problem. And yeah, she's just so fed up with it. And at this point, I feel like Susan Vickery has become this hardened animal rescuer. She's like endured, you know, the gauntlet of like being threatened, being attacked, having stuff stolen, having stuff vandalized, having being betrayed on a personal level. Back to Judith. Yes. Yeah, it, it it did get crazy like that. And yes, she, you're right. She didn't know who to trust. And she had uh, one of the environment ministry people she'd really sort of cultivated. And I think it really tried to talk honestly, but, but then expected him to really support her because of that. Um, you know, and if he wasn't. I mean, I don't know how much he was doing his job, how much, you know, but... But I, I think she did start to think that there was really nobody she could trust. And I, I'm with me as well, because all the time, I mean, I was primarily a reporter, and I did warn her. That's what I was. You know, that's my job. You know, I'll, I'll write what you tell me. And also, like, it was also the attention she got to, right? Like, the Uvic Rabbit story got so much attention, as we talked about on the last episode. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like now she's kind of learned just to avoid the spotlight because the spotlight only attracts problems totally just because just because these rapid activists are so passionate and judith um lavoy the reporter read me an email she got from susan which by the way is in nova scotia where she's living now and then the next thing i know she's decided to pack everything up and move to the east coast <laughs> oh wow <laughs> And uh, it, that was a complete surprise because I, I don't think she had any family there. There was nothing in particular, but I think she was, she was just really fed up. Oh, wow. She just moved across the country. Took her rabbits and ran. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've got this here. Okay, uh, I just looked up one of the last emails that she sent me with some absolutely gorgeous pictures, incidentally. I mean, her photography, she's got a fox and a mink and feels, you know, just... Um, but she said, I took six Uvic rabbits along with me. They required special care. And I didn't want to burden Wally and Doreen with that. They're the couple who run my Alberta sanctuary. I don't know how many Uvic rabbits remain there. Not many, perhaps three or four. I'm the only one who had recognized them apart from the others. So there's not very many left. But yeah. Rabbit legacy is slowly dwindling. Mm-hmm. Holy cow, he's... Celebrity rabbits and the places they go and the people's lives, they change. (laughs) And the Washington rabbits are happy. Yeah, they're fine. American rabbits. I mean, Trump's there, but they're probably happy otherwise. (laughs) Yeah, unless we talk about the Texas rabbits. The Texas rabbits? So, this is the other side of the coin. Texas? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Are you ready for part two? Oh my god, are we going into it? Let's do it. After the break, we find out what happens with the Texas Rabbits. This episode of You in the Ring is brought to you by The Grad House. One of the best-kept secrets on campus, the Grad House is for everyone. They offer a range of house-made meals that cater to diverse dietary needs. And with weekly specials, you are sure to find something new every time you visit. Located right off the bus loop, the Grad House is a great place for lunch, dinner, or just hanging out with friends. The Grad House. You don't have to be a grad student to eat here. So, Laura Lee Shaw, as you remember, real estate agent from Vancouver who refinanced her mortgage to save rabbits. In this economy? In, in that economy, in 2010. <laughs> Still not great. Um, she has made a quest out of these rabbits. So whereas Susan Vickery was lucky and only had to relocate, will have the option to relocate to places in Canada, Laura Lee Shaw's permits were not as lucky. She had to, she could only get export permits. So she has to find somewhere in the U.S. that will take up to a thousand rabbits. Oh my god! That's what her permit says. So she's just like she has his permits. She's like, okay, what do I do? And she's scrambling. She's just calling PETA. She's calling best friends. Just these huge animal rights group being like, where can I put this many rabbits? And everyone's like, I don't know. Like, why would what? 
how, who, who are you? Why? <laughs> and in her research, she comes across this book. And this book is called Noah and the Bunnies. Oh, my God. And the story of Noah and the Bunnies is about a one-legged pigeon who raises a litter of orphaned baby rabbits. And it's a true story. True story. True story. One-legged pigeon. Raising rabbits. Oh, my God. And the story is written by a woman named... My name is Georgianne. Georgianne Lenham. I'm the CEO and founder of a, a sanctuary rescue ranch in East Texas. And the ranch is called Wild Rose Rescue Ranch. For rabbits. Or for any Just animal. Just for all animals, wow. including rabbits. So, Laura Lee Shaw contacts the woman who wrote the book, and is like, hey, I've got a bunch of rabbits, and they need to go somewhere soon, or they will all die. <laughs> because... Are you going to be the one-legged pigeon here? <laughs> right. That's pretty much what it is. Yeah, it's like, you can... It's beautiful. You can talk the talk, but can you walk it? Yeah. Is that how the expression goes? Hop it. Hop it. Don't you get started, Amanda. Yeah, basically, almost guilt trips her. Like, if you don't save these rabbits... They're all going to die. And to be fair, like, Laura Lee Shaw was convinced that that was the case. This is Georgianne. I couldn't believe there were actually, you know, so many at the campus. And she said they were being poisoned. And um, you'd see them rising. Kids would come out of class and see a bunny rising on the ground, you know, babies. And, I mean, from dying. And then, it, and then to hear they were stomped on, uh, that was, I mean, that's, that's the most hideous thing I can even imagine. You know, they were looked at as as vermin, as, as, you know, just terrible. Like, if they didn't get the rabbits off campus and move somewhere quickly, like, they would have to be euthanized. Because this was still in the fall of 2010? Yeah, this is is happening while rabbits are being relocated to Coombs. Like, the Coombs and Texas events are happening simultaneously, just in very different places and very different circumstances. Wow. So... George Ann's like, um, we'll help, but we, we cannot, absolutely not afford anything. You know, you'd have to support them. And, and uh, they, yeah, we're on a fixed income. My husband's a 100% disabled vet. I'm mm-hmm. a service-connected vet. What was but the number that they were proposing? 200. About 200 is what they ended up saying, about 250. And this is where it gets a bit funny because George Ann's like, I want to help, but we don't have that much money, and we only would be able to provide housing for them. So you can use our land, and they can live here, but we don't. We can't take care of water, food, you know, medical bills, and this is this is where it gets a bit hazy. But there's some kind of agreement reached. So we talked. My husband and I talked and prayed about it, and said, "Okay, we can take up. <laughs> I mean, we've got 46 acres, so we have room as long as you promise, you know, that they can be spayed and neutered and." And you can commit to caring for them. It was also with the understanding, though, she said there are people lined up here wanting to adopt these rabbits. You're never going to have to take, you know, more than a couple hundred. And I said, that's fine. Um, but we also, when you make a promise like that, you have to be ready to commit to it. And it's kind of a she said, she said situation where George Ann's like, Laura Lee Shaw agreed to pay for all of this forever. And Laura Lee Shaw's like, no, I didn't. Why would I do that? Here's Laura Lee. I'm sorry that they feel that way. We did not have those agreements. And in fact, I have receipts for $26,000 that I transferred into their bank accounts because they would call me and say they were being foreclosed on or they had no money and things like that. And, you know, I, I got to over 26 grand and just said, I'm sorry. I don't have any more for you. And so they stopped calling me. But there wasn't an agreement such as that because how could one ever say, I'll cover the costs of something that I have no control over what you're spending. Right. And I was sending money to the feed store to buy them feed, but I was having difficulty getting receipts telling me what was purchased. Right, and these receipts were Things important like for for what reason? Just just starting to clarify. I'm sorry. What were the why were the receipts so important? I wanted to make sure it was going to rabbit food. So there's a bit of a 
miscommunication there, but ultimately it's agreed that these rabbits will go to Texas. So Laura Lee Shaw starts driving them down batch by batch in her Dodge Caravan. We went through during the worst parts of winter because we, as I say, we had to keep doing the trips. We weren't allowed to say, can we wait till the weather improves? She's driving through like snowstorms and like mountain passes. The mountain passes were being closed from snow. We were having to overnight places we hadn't expected. Worried sick about the bunnies and were they warm enough? So we bought tarps and we were covering the van with tarps. To keep the rabbits warm for the night? I know it was harder on us. We were so stressed. But the bunnies did great. Yeah, how long does it take to drive to Texas? A long time. A long time. A long time. And she's just moving it, moving them herself. For, yeah, she's done. she does three trips. Wow. And two of the trips are her, just by herself. Eventually they get there. And there's 200 of them. There's still donations coming in, so like they're able to afford feed and water. Georgianne again? It was always erratic, and it was always cash. Almost always cash. Are these donations, were they coming from people in Victoria, or were they like... They're donations from like all over the world. Also, I should mention real quick that the rabbits that were brought to Texas, Georgianne says that not all of them were neutered. Oh. <laughs> yes. Notice the first little bunny we noticed. I said, well, you're a surprise, and I called her surprise from that moment on. But, um, where'd you come from? Yeah, we had tons of rabbits that were um, a result of yeah, and we couldn't afford it to neutered. The legacy continues. They just started repopulating again. And anyways, they got them all neutered. But again, that cost more money. Georgianne said she had major difficulty securing money that was supposed to be coming from Laura Lee. I don't know. It just seemed like she, she was always behind the eight ball trying to scramble to, to send us money and this and that. And it'll be a couple weeks or I don't have it yet. Or um, can you just use your bill money or... You know, because we're on a tight, you know, strict income budget. And, of course, we, we could never let the rabbits go hungry. Never, never, never. You know, and it was always scrambling. So it was, wasn't until later on um, during the summer that we started wondering, uh-oh, things don't seem to be consistent like it was. And then stuff gets pretty out of control again. Obviously. I mean, these are cursed rabbits, so everywhere they go. <laughs> so the town of White House, which is in eastern Texas, and a month after the rabbits, like all the rabbits get there in January, the town passes an ordinance, like a town law. All of a sudden, we just the city manager walks up and hand-delivered a proposed ordinance that was going to limit everybody to four animals. But Georgian's property isn't inside the city limits, well, with the exception of the driveway, but still. So I said, I asked the um, Mr. Huckabee, the assistant city manager, I said, why are you delivering it to us? And uh, don't you know we're not in the city? <laughs> and he says, yes, ma'am, you are. And I just went, I said, no, we're not. And we went through our paperwork, we went to the county records. Everything we looked at, we include to this day, I can show you. And the ordinance basically says that it is illegal to have more than four of any kind of animal on your property. Wow. And George Ann has just acquired 200 UVic rabbits. <laughs> but So wait, I guess her, all her animals that she had before for rescue, like, would she just have like random ones, I guess? Yeah, she had like horses. Yeah. And dogs. There was a raccoon that they rehabilitated. Okay. But know? just like one up, like one off of like a random animal. Okay. Sometimes, but like they had a lot of dogs and a lot of horses. Hmm. Yeah. They just like collected whatever animal needed rescuing. They would house it. The city would call us out and say, hey, can you guys go get, there's a fawn on the side of the road. Or um, there was a raccoon that had been hit by a car and um, a, a vulture. And Bob and I would always take off and, you know, help the city every chance we got. So we were, you know, we didn't, we were shocked to see this four animal limit of four. So while all this is happening, Georgiana is just kind of sitting around and wondering, like, where is this money that Laura Lee had promised them? And they care about these animals so much. Like, talking with this woman, there were times where she's like, we were so broke, but instead of, like, paying our mortgage, we would buy food for the rabbits. 
Oh my god. Which is sad and also, I don't know, it just shows you like their dedication, you know? Yeah. Georgian said she still owes the local feed store $2,000 for rabbit food. $2,000. So the town passed the ordinance. Georgian's like, this is some grade A bullshit. We uh, got a lawsuit saying that, um, you know, we're not in the city limits. We've got the documentation to prove it. We should be protected by what's called the Right to Farm Act. And, you know, you're grandfathered in. You know, they had no problems with us until the news about the rabbits and all the news came out, you know, which we, we were just shocked. And I, I said, what, what's, your t- what's up with your timing, you know? And she sues the city. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's like, this ordinance should not apply to me because, A, we're on farmland. And, B, you know, we're an animal rescue ranch. Like, we're licensed. And we became a nonprofit 501c3 in 2009. So, knew we were perfectly legal. It didn't make any sense. Did the ordinance come out from anything, or was it specifically directed at her? She thinks that it was directed at her. Oh, more small town grumbling, rumblings. Major grumbling, rumblings. <laughs> so, the case. It was dismissed for lack of jurisdiction. It's not. An- Local papers and stuff all said that the city won the lawsuit. They didn't. They, it was never heard. It was, they said it was not a civil matter, but it was a criminal matter. So they said it was not the right venue. It's like, you didn't bring it to the right court, so we're throwing it out. Her case against the city. Yeah. They brought it to the wrong court. And so no one, like, wins or loses. It's just, like, thrown out. They're like, we can't deal with this, so it's gone. Whoa. Georgian says they couldn't even appeal it because they had gone to the wrong court. And then, like, you know, the appeal court's like, no, actually, you went to the wrong place, so it's gone. <laughs> so it's gone, and now the ordinance is in effect. So what happens next? It's kind of crazy. Because the appeal was up, so they figured they won, and they could come and get any animals in excess of four. They started seizing the animals. This small-town local police department shows up at the Wild Rose Rescue Ranch with, like, SWAT trucks and, like, <laughs> bulletproof vests. They showed up with um, you know, several, I forget how many cop cars were here, and people <laughs> climbing the fence. They were wearing um, you know, their gear with the bulletproof vests and their guns. and their, uh, There were probably seven or eight cop cars, at least two, maybe three, animal control trucks. And they take all their dogs. Because that was apparently all they had room for at the time. Go figure. And, like, they're throwing the dogs into, like, the trucks. And as they're leaving, they're like, we're coming back for the horses and rabbits next time. The dogs that they took, they took it down to this horrendous place that was later closed because of cruelty to animals. The horrendous conditions. The woman had went to jail that ran this. And... There's nothing they can do. Like, the ordinance is in effect. They haven't gone to the right place. They don't have any money to hire, like, you know, a new legal team. And the police officers did come back for the rabbits and the horses. Yeah, and we had to pay $2,000 to get them out. And then $800 to the city. And they start, like, moving their horses and the rabbits. And they go back to their old house, the old ranch, to get some stuff. And the sheriff's waiting there for them. And the sheriff's like... I know for a fact that you have more than four dogs in your trailer right now. And if you open that trailer, I'm legally allowed to take them again. And the cop is actually this one guy that I told you was fired later for corruption. He's yelling, hey, don't let those animals out because uh, we'll come right in and get them again. So we're everybody's sitting in this horse trailer, which is, you know, it's air conditioned and all that. It's not uh, a bad, it's nice set up for the animals that they weren't hot or anything like that. And we had water and all that. But still, we were afraid to take them out. Whoa. The um, cops even told me that even a goldfish counted as a, as a pet. They're just like, who are you? And why are you, like, bullying us? We're just, like, one ranch. Like, where is this vendetta coming from? I mean, it was intimidation without a doubt. And these ranch owners are just like, what are we going to do? Like, we're stuck here. And so... It was during that time frame that we found the place south of us. It's in a town called um, New Summerfield. They just leave. 
Like, they find a new ranch. They move to another county with another ranch. And yeah, they just move all their animals there. Wow. And live happily ever after? No. Oh, no, of course not. Um, while they're there, they start figuring all this stuff out. So it turns out the current city manager at the time actually had plans to turn their ranch into a city park. Whoa. So now they're like, it's not about the animals. It's about our property. They just wanted us to leave, which we did. Oh, my gosh. I have suspicions of, you know, that they, they say he was trying to get the property. And I think the rabbits were just an excuse to step up and say, hey, you know, try to force us out. It seemed like they just took advantage of the situation and right. tried to run us off. It's crazy. And then when they figure this out, all the stuff starts happening back in White House, where they're from. The sheriff gets fired for corruption charges. Whoa. Because he, like, sexually assaulted another cop's wife. Oh, my God. The city manager at the time has to, like, quit his job because he's found drunk on city property. What? (laughs) So... Just all these major players, they're out of the picture now. So now Georgianne and her husband Bob, by the way, they move back to the old ranch. The heat's gone. They laid low for long enough. They could finally move back here. But the ordinance is still in effect. So what happens next is a lawyer approaches them and is like, I've heard your story. It's crazy. I will do this case pro bono. Rabbit activist lawyer. Yeah. And so he brings the case to the correct court and the jury rules in the ranch's favor. It's difficult to hear what Georgian is saying here, but essentially it took them five minutes to rule in their favor just because of how ridiculous the whole thing was. So they're like, yeah, obviously this ranch does not apply to this stupid city ordinance. Huh. And now they're just living day by day on this ranch in eastern Texas, and they have a hundred Uvic rabbits left. Still? hmm Wow. And there's all these, like, emails that I got from a secret source, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, I have a secret rabbit activist source. You're in deep, man. <laughs> I was. I'm out of the game now. <laughs> Wait, what did the secret source say? Just, like, it's these emails that uh, George Ann is sending to everyone being like, This is not what we agreed upon. Mm. Please help us. We desperately need your help. We have no money. And these rabbits just keep getting crazier and crazier. And, like, they never really got help. Over time, like, they've slowly, like, neutered all the rabbits or, like, had them adopted. So now they have, like, 100 rabbits. But it was just a messy time. Yeah, so that's the story of the Uvic rabbits. So it wasn't as simple as just, oh, yeah, they killed all the rabbits. Or, oh, yeah, they moved them all. It was... Layered and layered. <laughs> it was a really complicated story. Big old fluffy mess. <laughs> yeah. I really went down the rabbit hole on this one. Yeah, what did you learn? I think I just learned that people do crazy things for animals. Mm. It really got out of control so quickly. And whereas, you know, it'd be nice to kind of point the finger at someone and be like, yes, you're the villain. <laughs> I don't think anyone is a is a villain in this story. I think everyone was just a victim kind of of their own passion and their kind of their own, you know, hubris. We're doing fine, fine, fine. We're doing fine, fine. When I'm alone with the moon, I'm never alone. Is you walking by my shop? This episode of You in the Ring was made with help from me, Andrew Hines, Amanda Watlin, and Nicole Watts, and produced by Brendan McGee. Our executive producer is Mary Decker. Thank you to all of our guests, Barbara Smith, Judith Lavoie, George Ann Lenham, Laura Lee Shaw. This program would not be possible without the generous support of the Community Radio Fund of Canada and the UVic Student Awards and Financial Aid Work Study Program. If you like this podcast, tune in next week and subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts from.
This episode of You in the Ring is brought to you by Grad House. One of the best kept secrets on campus, the Grad House is for everyone. They offer a range of house-made meals that cater to diverse dietary needs. And with weekly specials, you're sure to find something new every time you visit. Located right off the bus loop of UVic, the Grad House is a great place for lunch, dinner, or just hanging out with your friends. The Grad House. You don't have to be a grad student to eat here.